Every day I'm hustling, 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 hustling. Every day I'm hustling, 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 every day I'm Welcome to a Cigar Hustlers Podcast, where we take a closer look at the people of the cigar industry with your host, Mike and Mike. Hi, I'm Mike. And I'm Mike also. And this is a Cigar Hustlers podcast. We are here today with a very special dear friend of mine. His name is Jeff Groover, a.k.a. Jerry Grouper. How are you, sir? Well, better uh, before the introduction. How are you? (laughs) (laughs) Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Jeff is a broker for the Southeast region of the United States. Um, he's been a you're pretty pretty good friend of ours for I don't know now it's been, been in a, business seven years you've been in, okay so yeah I guess about as long as the shop's been open yeah just about just about so if you could start why don't you tell the three listeners exactly what a broker is hi uh, to all three of you out there listening <laughs> appreciate you uh, <laughs> being with us today um, so a broker uh, give an example there are two types of cigar reps in this business uh, in-house, which means you work typically uh, just one organization, which I was a part of in the beginning of my cigar career uh, for the first couple years, and then uh, became a broker thereafter, where basically I work for myself, uh, represent several different brands. That just means I have several different bosses that I have to try and keep happy. That's but, nice. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a good, good business, you know, really good business. Great people out there. Okay, so before you got into the cigar industry, what did you do? I was actually an insurance agent. Um, started, again, as an insurance broker. Um, went to work for a group of people above me that I uh, made a wealth of money for. Uh, <laughs> but, but with that, you know. Seems to be a trend. Yeah, hey. Uh, like, Jeff to work for me soon. No problem. Well, what, make me money. what type of insurance did you do? I did uh, a lot of health and life. We did Aetna, United, uh, Humana. Uh, we didn't do any Blue Cross. We did uh, Fidelity, life insurance, a lot of different policies. So, it, oddly enough, what I do now with cigars in regards to insurance, uh, similar and different, meaning you worked for yourself. You mm-hmm. know, you worked as hard as you absolutely wanted to being on the phone. Uh, mm-hmm. Ultimately, I managed a group of people and trained them to be on the phone. But you basically, you know, work in your office uh, every day as hard as you absolutely want to work, and you learn to juggle multiple products. And mm-hmm. that is very similar to what I do today. So you start off as an insurance guy. How in the hell do you find yourself into the cigar industry? So, uh, good family friend, uh, friend of a friend, my wife's very good uh, childhood uh, friend she grew up with, uh, met uh, another broker from another territory, we didn't know at the time, uh, by the name of Scotty, Scotty Weeks, if you're one of the three people out there listening, what's going on, (laughs) but but, uh, his family, uh, very well uh, cemented in the cigar and uh, accessories industry in the southeast Georgia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia, Kentucky, all those states, West Virginia. Uh, actually, I think his grandfather, uh, Buddy Weeks, had the original Zippo contract in the United States for the southeast back in the 40s. So they've been in business a long time, and Scott inherited their route and lines and 
you know, I met him uh, because of my wife and what ultimately became my buddy Scott's wife, my wife's very good friend, uh, Miss Kelly, if you're one of the other three listeners out there. <laughs> Hello, Miss Kelly. Well, you know, it's two of the three, it seems, that <laughs> yeah, yeah. listening. Um, so with that, you know, Scott said, look, man, you know, just meeting me and knowing me, you know, personally over the course of uh, several years, you know, kept begging and pleading with me to come into, uh, into the cigar industry. Uh, he said, look, man, you're great at what you do. You know, he learned a little bit about my business, but he knew that uh, I was uh, not getting paid my worth. And I was really making a lot of people a lot of money above me. And he's like, you know, he knew I was uh, a slave to four walls. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was very good at what I did. So that's why I was sought after in the uh, insurance business. But with that, um, Scotty, I get a phone call one day. Uh, it's a Tuesday. I'll never forget. I'm at the office. And uh, Scott calls me up. He goes, hey, man. I know I'm putting the cart before the horse, and we've talked about this many a time, but I have a, or, uh, I got wind that there's a spot becoming available for a Florida broker for a company by the name of uh, San Latano, a.k.a. J- uh-huh. uh, AJ Fernandez, and that was on a Tuesday. I said, Scott, I'm not looking to leave at this point from the, uh, from the insurance business, and he said, just can you please take the call? I put my neck on the line just saying that you would at least entertain the phone call. So I did. I took the call on a Tuesday and the uh, owner, the, the distribution owner at the time said, Hey, can you do me a favor? You know, we talked on the phone for a few minutes. He said, can you break away for a lunch interview Thursday? So mm-hmm. two more days. Can you come and meet me? And his office was in sunrise very much where my office was in sunrise in Florida. I said, sure. So I broke away for an hour and we sat down, we had a cigar and we talked for a little bit. And you know, he, again, after feeling me out a little bit face to face, he said, I really like you. He said, but let's can you do like a working interview with with us and i said well what exactly does that mean he said well we're hopping on a plane to go to vegas on saturday uh for a week and we're gonna go do a trade show we want to know you know we'll pay you to be there and cover all your expenses but let's see how you do with sales and if it works out we come back and uh, you know see where it takes us from there i said hang on i just talked to you tuesday today is thursday (laughs) you want me not to show up to work on monday and be in vegas with you all you know selling cigars he said yeah I have a wife, I have a new baby boy at home, and uh, I really had to kind of think through that one. So mm-hmm. I uh, grabbed my, uh, put my big, big boy pants on, had a conversation with my wife. I said, you know what, I'm going to try something new. And I called in sick th- uh, that Friday and took a few days off. I had plenty of time built up because I never take off work. And I flew to Vegas. And from there, I sold the bejesus out of uh, San Latano AJ Fernandez, uh, who's become a huge organization at the time I started with him. Unfortunately, no one really knew unless you were like an internet blogger or a CI guy or one of these, you know, uh, they had Diesel, they had Man of War, all these, all these lines that are not in retail shops. Right. No one really knew the name. And fortunately, I was able to make some very big sales very quickly, and people took to me that I came home. They offered me a, a pretty contract. They knew what I was making, and uh, they wanted to make sure I was fairly close. And obviously, with sales, I could outperform where I was at in the insurance world. And I just took off. You know, they said, "Look, here's a box of cigars and some price sheets, and go sell." Mm-hmm. I didn't know where I was going or what I was supposed to do. And uh, so you started off as their in-house guy. I started out as their in-house guy. Okay, and eventually you decided to break away. <laughs> Well, it wasn't truly my decision. I guess, well. Mutual? Yeah. So the way it panned out, you know, they, they give you a performance contract, so to speak. I was uh, year one, I was in year two numbers. Uh, year one and a half, I was in my year three numbers, and my paycheck kind of started to ramp up pretty good. 
and it freaked them out a little bit. They knew my um, history being uh, a manager of an insurance agency. I had 125 employees, four down lines I hired, fired, trained, and just showed grown men and women how to show up to work and bust their ass to make themselves money, which ultimately make the you know company that I worked for money. So they wanted me to go and do the same thing for the rest of the San Latano team. They wanted me to fly to Texas and train that guy and go to California and train that guy and go to New England and train that guy and ride with him. And I didn't want to do that. I, I didn't want to manage people anymore. I'd done right. that for 10 years. I just really wanted to worry about myself. And that's when they gave me an ultimatum. They said, hey, we're going to force you to make a decision because we're replacing you as the in-house rep. So you're either going to go up in management. And again, they offered me a pretty contract or we're firing you. I was like, oh, great. So now I'm doing so well that you're forced to get rid of me. And right. Making too much money. I, it wasn't even that it was that crazy amount of money, I, I didn't think. But uh, they gave me a month to really think about it. Uh, the owner of the company flew back to Nicaragua. Well, not AJ, AJ's partner at the time. Um, to be clear to the three listeners out there, in case AJ's the third guy. Right, we got it. There's three um, listeners. Yeah. We get it. For fuck's sake, stop fucking nailing it. We have three listeners. And they're all friends of his, of course. All right. So. Jesus. Well, I hear what you guys are saying, so do three of us count? Maybe there's six. You know? uh, I mean, oh, there you like oh, Look, we maybe this is a three. Just for the record, the there's more listeners than that, but we just want, we wanted to lie to you, okay? <laughs> we wanted you to feel totally comfortable that uh, there's nobody, nobody listening. Nobody listening. Nobody paying attention. Just, just having fun with it. Um, so ultimately, they gave me a... Uh, an ultimatum, a decision, and when they came back from Nicaragua, you know, it uh, was a conversation, hey, are you, you know, in or are you out? And I said, look, I really want to just stay being the rep. You know, I feel I'm doing a good job for you and there's no reason to replace me. And he said, so what's your decision? I said, my decision is not to be your manager. And he said, well, I'm sorry, we got to let you go. And that was on a Friday. Uh, there was a multi-vendor event due that day at six o'clock at night. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. I called my wife and said, she goes, how did the talk go? I said, well, I no longer have a job after uh, tonight's event. I'm officially unemployed. I'm officially unemployed. So uh, <coughs> that night I went from one line to zero to walking into an event, honoring my commitment to my retailer. And uh, a kid walked out in the park, or a man walked out in the parking lot, shook my hand. He goes, hey, I heard you got let go from San Latino. And I looked at my watch. And <laughs> like, oh, that but was, that was fast. That's an hour and 45 minutes ago. <laughs> time travel, you know, and I've only talked to my wife, so this is kind of strange. How do you know my wife? How do you know yeah, my wife? That's I'm like, hey, 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 what's going on here? Um, he was the guy that was actually replacing me. Ah. So now he was an independent, oddly enough. He worked for three organizations at the time as an independent. So that night, all three of those companies, my phone, thank goodness, rang off the hook, and I ended up with those same three lines. So it looked like and all by chance, we more or less did a swap. Like a trade. Yeah, and it wasn't planned that way. So I went from one line to zero lines to three lines in the course of about five hours. Uh, that Monday morning, my phone kept ringing, and I built a portfolio for that's, myself. That's pretty crazy. It's been a, been a fun ride for sure. So who are you currently carrying now? Uh, I got a, a nice book of business uh, between uh, my buddies, uh, since I got the shirt on here, HR, the Drake, a.k.a. this is your buddy Jerry Grouper, the one that would only get that reference earlier. Uh, besides that, I have my great buddy, uh, Mr. Eric Espinoza. I have uh, Christoph, Mr. Glenn Case. I have um, the guys at uh, Leaf and Oscar. I do Tommy Bahama accessories. And uh, <laughs> that's about it. I got couple more sorry we had somebody trying to walk and we've all lost our uh, train, train of thought so yeah, yeah, as okay. we watch him tiptoe through the office <laughs> so i know that being a broker is very difficult in this industry um not easy yeah there are there are obviously a lot of pros and cons obviously you have your own freedom which is awesome however the counterpart to that is if 
even if you're even if you fail as let's say that the product doesn't do well and the, and the marketing isn't isn't behind it you don't have the support group behind from the the company itself unfortunately your head's on the chopping block is that correct sure I'm the guy on the front line now uh, the the other side of that coin is let's say that the product does really really well at that point they could also force get rid of you and force somebody in house uh, that's true too no uh, absolutely Look. so Okay. Go ahead. Like you know, you my, got it. My, my good buddies, like, uh, again, Scott, uh, who was a broker before me, Eric Espinoza, a broker in the same territory that I'm in now, uh, before me, you know, I have to look up to the guys who've been there and done that, so to speak, before I ever did. And, you know, Eric says, look, when one line goes away, you build your name, you build your reputation, you keep showing up and selling to your retailers, two more companies will call. Right. And that's ultimately, you know, thank God, knock on wood somewhere around here. That's the way it's worked. Right. So how do you decide... Let's say, you know, Sleptic Incorporated approaches you with, you know, some cigars. How do you decide to carry them or not to carry them? I and mean, what what makes you say, okay, or what makes you say, you know what, I don't think you're going to be a good fit for my portfolio? Well, let's just uh, be clear, Slapdick, they have amazing cigars. Yeah, I don't they, they, I don't work with them. But, super uh, limited. <laughs> um, I mean, look, there's a lot that goes into picking up a brand. Sometimes it's relationships. Right. Uh, sometimes it's knowing the back end of where the other working pieces came from and or who's actually making the cigar. Um, you know, the hype behind it, so to speak. You know, what's available at the right time and what you have, you know, in your portfolio. Sometimes the book of business is so tight you can't, you know, take the next can't add anything else on latest and greatest you know i've turned a few down along the way where i'm you know you second guess and say damn i should have picked that line up you know or you pick one up and you're like you just you do the best for each of your manufacturers you know it's like saying which is your favorite kid right you have a couple kids right yeah which one's your favorite one yes (laughs) the answer is yes (laughs) exactly my point i try to treat them all fair and equal of course uh, you know because ultimately that's how I make my money and that's how I make the money. But I'm not letting you off the hook here. I mean, at, no, the, no, end no, of the, at, at the end of the day, like, I, I understand that some of them have ran away and, you know, and they've been really, really good. But what made you decide to pass on them at the moment? Was there something about the company maybe? Was there, I don't know. I mean, because I, I think that there's a there, there's definitely a thought process there um, that you're not really elaborating on entirely, Right. I mean, it's hard. There's a certain magic to it. I mean, I don't know if I can put into words what makes you take a particular product. Right. You know, I, I can only give examples. You know, a buddy of mine, John, again, he's been in the business, broker like myself up in uh, the mid-Atlantic area. Uh, I think he's been in the business 26 years now. He's done a phenomenal job for himself and his family and his, his retailers and, and uh, manufacturers. You know, he called me with a, a new line out of the blue. This is maybe three years or so ago. Uh, a lot of people out there, all, all 300 of you listening, uh, <laughs> called, uh, called the, the Leaf, uh, Leaf by Oscar. And he, um, it's uh, if you don't know the, the brand, a uh, guy by the name of Jim Robinson owns a couple retail shops up in Pittsburgh. John is his rep for other brands. Uh, Jim has a house blend called the Leaf and uh, inquired or, you know, asked John to start carrying the line. John started doing well with it. Well, John's my buddy. He's going to look out for me and calls me up and says, hey pretty popular product up here it's ramping up pretty quick you need to take a look the phone call actually said have you ever heard of the leaf i'm thinking it's like one of these brotherhood of the leaf a blogger group or something i'm like no dude he goes no no it's a line it's it's i'm doing really well with it you know you should take a look at it john man i'm busy i apologize i don't have time to pick up something else in my portfolio Mm -hmm. and uh, so i turned it down 
Well, no uh, kidding. Yeah, yeah. I, I turned the line down, not knowing much about it at the time, and it was fairly new. You know, uh, it might have been again three, four years ago, something like that. Well, in the beginning, it was a mistake. I shouldn't have passed on the line. I didn't know exactly what it was. You don't know what's going to get hot or be up and coming, new and trendy. Thank goodness for me, it worked itself out to where they tried a couple brokers in between. It didn't work for them. Uh, I happened to lose a line at an event on a Saturday um, that went in-house. And uh, that Monday morning, the owner of Leaf called me and said, hey, I heard you lost a line on Saturday. And I'm like, why does news travel so fast? <laughs> Everybody hears about Pittsburgh. the Groover. And he's like, can you pick up my line? I happened to be back on the road in Naples. I said, I, literally, it was just that point. I was like, fine, yes, I will take it. Just send me a price sheet, uh, mail some samples to my house. Can you send me a picture of what the product even looks like? I, I mean, at that point, I still didn't have a lot of knowledge of the product. Right. I would show my retailers a picture and a price sheet, and okay, sure, send it to me. I think I opened nine accounts that week with a picture and a price sheet. By the time I made it home, working a full week and that following Monday, my original account that I opened the Monday before, seven days before, was reordering and doubling their order. They were slap out of cigars and right. uh, wow, you know, I can't imagine when I actually get samples in my hand. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I was fortunate to get a product at the right time when a couple other brokers didn't work out for, you know, the organization. And again, losing a line at the right time, which gave me the availability to pick up something new. Gotcha. So you have to be very chameleon-like and keep your ear to the ground. And you have to be relentless and never give up on having you as a broker. And then you eventually gave in. That's pretty much what you're saying. Yeah, I just, just keep working. That's it. You know, I think, listen, I don't do anything special that anybody else in this business can't do for themselves. And it's just putting the key in the ignition or pushing the start button, I guess, these days. Uh, and showing up at accounts, you know, half the business is just being in their faces. Well, that kind of answers my next question that I was going to ask you is, obviously, there's a significant turnover of brokers in the industry. How do you manage to stay above the majority of brokers? And before you answer that question, I just to give the people a little bit more of a background. In my opinion, Jeff is probably the best, if not one of the best brokers in this region. He's uh, very thorough. He stays on top of all of his products. He takes really good care of all of his customers, myself included. So with that being said, how the hell do you do it with such a bigger territory than most people have? Again, you know, maybe it's my, I, don't, I guess I could say work experience and or training. Remember, I dealt with 125 employees in just our brokerage firm in Sunrise. We had four downlines. I, when I tell you I hired, I fired, I trained, I built manuals, uh, uh, videos on telling people what to say, how to do it, when to do it, and dealing with each of their personalities. Each person is individually different. Mm -hmm. And that's the same thing with my retailers. That's the same thing with my manufacturers. So managing all types of personalities and all types of level of business and or work, work ethic, you know, just I think allows me to kind of do what I do. You know, um, right. you're always your toughest critic. So I always look at it as I'm only as good as my last sale. So as soon as I'm done, I got to go sell more. That's true. You know, well said. Um, getting back to before you, you mentioned that when you were having issues with, um, you, you didn't know how to answer questions as far as you, you'd get dropped. And then I'm sure that there were times where you were down in the dumps, especially walking into an event on a Saturday and then realizing that come Sunday morning, you were out of that job. You said that before that Espinoza kind of gave you, hey, listen, don't worry about it, bro. I'm adding bro there. Yeah. Don't worry about it, bro. <laughs> Obviously, there'll be more coming 
they'll if one drops, two will pick up. So I'm assuming that he was kind of a mentor to you in in sales. Absolutely, 100. percent Are there? I, I rely on Eric quite a bit. Okay, so is there any other mentors, or is it Scott Weeks? Right. Um, my buddy John Demharder. I right. mean, those three in the business I talk to quite often, and you know I try to learn from the guys who've been in the business, you know, a good 20 years before myself. Right. You know, and uh, I take what you know they have to say to heart. I put my own twist on it, and uh, you know, keep working. And you think that that may have absolutely added absolutely. to your success I'll always look at the you know people who've been there before you and take their advice right that's the one thing i could you know all right so now i'm gonna get into some ridiculous questions nah no worries normally you have extremely high hair <laughs> and uh it's uh it's it's usually it's quite a little impressive. tamer today. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah as of right now it's but a little bit down it looks like i don't know what happened it's the end of the day you and know? your hair's tired it's yeah, yeah it's, it's been sleepy. up all day I mean, uh, usually i crush up like a vagra and put some gel in there and you know my hair just is on point all the time yeah no, absolutely I, i've just tried something new uh it was oddly enough it was my wife uh, i think one morning i woke up and maybe fell asleep with my head wet and the pillow on it and my, you know my hair was more pushed to the side and she goes i really like how your hair looks sweetheart she goes, oh, why don't you try to start so kind of standard now Maybe hey, the the spikes could come back. I mean, I know? really like the spikes. Yeah, you know? I'm a big hey, fan. You, you, I don't know if you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, you got a good uh, head of hair on you. So Viagra and some gels. Is yeah, how you yeah, gotta, yeah, Okay, yeah. that's good. That's good. What what the, <laughs> what the hell do you do in your spare time? What spare time? <laughs> I don't know. I got a list here. There's a couple things that <laughs> a you've done. A couple things that you do do. Oh, um, look. You know, you want to know what's a really funny scenario and I didn't realize until my wife brought it to me um you know when I'm working I'm working and when I'm home I try to be home granted my phone is always on and my wife you know uh, kind of gets on me a little bit she's like you're always on your phone you're always texting I'm like yeah I'm working I'm pissing on fires and I'm trying to make money you know right uh and thank god I have the little baby computer in my hand uh, mm -hmm. with the GPS because I give all the credit to the guys uh, and gals in front of me who had a roll of quarters and an atlas I don't know how they got any work done but um so thank god for technology but you know, uh, I'm fortunate that when I take off, you know, I try to take off and make the best of my time. Like at my son's school, you know, there are field trips. And, you know, if I can work, you know, nine days in a row to make sure that I'm off on a Tuesday to go to the Billy Baru Swamp Safari, then, you know what, I'm going to be the guy that's at Billy Boo, uh, Baru Swamp Safari down in wherever it is in some, almost the Keys, I think. Uh, that's a real place, Billy Baru's Swamp Safari? Yeah, yeah, I think that really happened. That's yeah, it was, yeah, yeah, I think yeah, so. yeah, yeah. And you were in a swamp buggy riding around. So I had done so many of these over the course of a, you know, probably, well, my son's in fifth grade now. So since he's been in school, you know, five, six years, that another one of the moms at the school was talking to my wife, uh, who was volunteering for the PTA or something. And she said, oh, I expected your husband to be here to volunteer for the PTA breakfast. And uh, uh, she said, oh, he's at work. And she's like, oh, your husband has a job? <laughs> she said, yeah, he's a salesman on the road. She goes, oh, my God, he's the dad that's, like, at all the events and on all the uh, field trips. I thought he was, like, a stay-at-home dad, and you worked, you know? She really had no idea that I that's actually awesome. had a job. And she goes, you don't really see any of the other dads. It's always moms. Right. And there's a dad sprinkled in here or there, but your husband's consistently the guy that's always, you know, uh, and uh, doing all these activities. So right. I want to be as much as... Uh, of my kid's life as I can being a traveling salesman where I'm gone quite a bit. Right. You know, it's a hard, it's a, it's a fine balance and I don't always get it right, but I, you know, try my best. So I have a, a note here that says that you feed the homeless. <laughs> yeah. Feed that, the homeless? 
Uh, yeah, it's something that we started in our neighborhood. Uh, I've lived in uh, Boynton, my townhome now, 13 years, although we might be moving. Oh, God. Um, so, different scenario. Um, but, yes, we started a uh, food drive in our neighborhood. It's probably going on 12 years now, maybe the first year after we moved in. Mm-hmm to where you know we we want to build a sense of community we have a great neighborhood we do fourth of july parties we do super bowl parties we you know have a ball drop for new year's eve you know i literally take my wife's medicine ball wrap it in aluminum foil and christmas lights and wire it up about 30 40 feet over <laughs> the ground and we count down and the ball drops you know so we try to build a sense of community but at the same time you got to learn to give back and help out people that you know need help i think everyone should be worth their weight in gold and work as hard as they possibly can but sometimes you're down on your luck and you have to recognize that and uh you know i feel that if you give out you get it back tenfold you mm-hmm. know and i just so for many years we ran a uh, a charity food drive in our neighborhood that we would take these supplies and drop them off to homeless shelters well then it grew from there and we started uh, donating our time every thanksgiving morning and going to a place called um the soup kitchen in Boynton Beach and, you know, actually preparing meals that we'd get there about four o'clock in the morning and work, you know, half the day. And then we'd sit and eat and uh, with, with everyone. Well, as our children, my son and other children in the neighborhood started getting older, we started realizing, you know, they need to be a part of this and learn about life. You know, look, life's not handed to you on a silver platter. Everyone mm-hmm. has their phones and their iPads and, you know, uh, it's, that's, you know, not the way I want my son to view the world. And it right. hit me one day when, you know, I had to leave for work the next morning. I'd been home over the weekend, and he's like, oh, Dad, you're leaving in the morning? I said, yes, and i got to go to work. Uh, you know, I'll be gone three days out of town this week. I'll be home uh, Thursday and Friday and work locally. And he uh, he's like, but you you were just on the road, and the dog just happened to be walking by. And I said, well, you see the dog? And he goes, yeah. I go, well, the dog eats food. It costs money. And I said, the dog goes to the vet. It costs money. I'm like, you're staring at the TV, the electricity, the cable bill, the AC pumping through the vents. I'm like, you're playing on your iPad. I'm like, the Internet on your iPad costs money. And he looks at me and goes, the internet costs money? <laughs> yes, look around you. Everything has a dollar sign. And I'm like, right. and daddy, you know, mommy's, fortunately, daddy's able to work and mommy's a stay-at-home mom, but I have to pay for all this stuff. I right. said, so if I back off, you know, uh, I'm no good to anybody. And he, you know, he kind of got it. But that's when I realized, you know what, I need my son to understand the uh, value of not only helping others, at the same time, the value of a dollar. There are people on Thanksgiving Day that don't get to go home to their house and have dinner with their families. They right. are lucky to get back in a car or sit in a box and not have any food until someone else shows up to give it to them. So we joined uh, another group um, called Lot 365, and uh, we go out uh, every Thanksgiving morning and Christmas Eve morning, and uh, we feed the homeless of Palm Beach. Uh, a young lady by the name of Aaron started all of that many years ago i mean this young lady she's a saint she literally goes every weekend whether she has money or not any donations she'll make little bag peanut butter and jellies and just give them out um so unfortunately her mother got sick she had to move up to tennessee to take care of her and the reins were handed to my wife and ultimately me so now we have taken the reins to you know set up and uh, the great thing is, is all of our friends and family have all been more than willing to step in and help prepare meals and set up and break down and you know just uh just you know, paying it forward, so to speak. That's really cool, man. And that's awesome that you're teaching teaching your son how to do all that. Oh, yeah. All the kids are the ones behind the trays serving the homeless. And then when they're done, we have them sit down with them. Of course, an adult sits down with them as well. We have lunch with everybody, you know, right. one, one big family. So. I didn't know that about you. <laughs> you know, 
And I, I feel like I know a lot about you. So the fact that I didn't know that is pretty impressive. Well, yeah, because he doesn't want – it's not a public thing. Right. He doesn't really brag about it or anything. Yeah. You just do it out of the kindness of your heart, which is awesome. Well, that's one of the reasons on uh, Facebook uh, I stopped the thing where you can automatically be tagged or it picks up your face. I'm like, I didn't even know how to do that, and my wife showed me. So right. <laughs> there's a lot of things, you know, just things you talk about, things you don't talk about. Somebody right. wants to know, I'm, I'm happy to tell you anything, but it's not to be put in – Right. You know. Not to be put on a podcast? <laughs> so that's well, there's only else. three people that yeah, know yeah, now, so. <laughs> I'm sure we lost a listener already. So, down to two. so <laughs> now, pre Hurricane Irma, you did something for uh, for Texas, I believe. Now that was on Facebook a little bit because you were trying to raise a little bit of uh, uh, money or su- supplies, right? Right. So the way that that all worked out again, remember I cover Florida, Louisiana, and Mississippi, right. and you know Shreveport, Louisiana, and Lake Charles are you know stone throw away from from Texas. And, you know, look, us in Florida, we have a lot of hurricanes that unfortunately come and hit us. Um, I was already due to be in that territory the yeah, Thursday after yeah, the hurricane down. hit. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> it's true. I was due right. to be in the territory. And I thought through it. My, my wife's a huge animal activist. And, you know, the thing that just kept sticking in my mind was, and it started as a very small project. It just kind of grew like a wildfire out of you know more more than i could have ever expected but i said you know what babe why don't i go there a couple days early um we actually had a vacation planned for the two of us over that uh weekend it was memorial day labor day one of those days uh whenever the hurricane came uh we were supposed to take our anniversary trip to marco island we had a the dolphins what is that with the dolphins Oh, no, no, no. You're talking about uh, my birthday. We usually go down. Uh, So, uh, yeah, because of uh, the hurricane, I lost another vacation. So last year I lost two vacations because of hurricanes. But um, one I cashed in willingly, uh, so to speak. (laughs) Um, If you can't see, I'm shaking my head in my own disgust. So uh, we had a a weekend booked at Marco Island for my wife and uh, I's 15-year anniversary. And it was subsequently supposed to be that weekend. And I said to my wife, I said, you know, I go to... Um, to Mississippi and Louisiana on Thursday. I'm gone Thursday to Thursday. I have some events, this, that, and the other. I said, but that hurricane came. I said, there's going to be a lot of dogs and cats probably with no home at this point in the Houston area. I said, you know, just like Katrina, I said, what if I rent, you know, a, a open truck and we get some cages and I try to get some dogs and cats? I'm not bringing any more freaking animals home. Understand that right now, sweetheart. She laughed. She understood. I said, but you find where I can drop them off and I'll drop them off, you know? And she said, I said, but really financially, uh, you know, we can't do both. I said, we can allot the money that we are spending on our hotel in, um, Marco Island, and we'll use that money to fund this little project that I'm doing. My wife looked me dead in the face. She goes, I'll call and cancel right now. I dropped my head, and I really said, (laughs) what did I just get myself into? So uh, it kind of grew from there, you know, and a buddy of mine uh, said, you know, look, it's not just dogs and cats. There's men and women, you know, babies. And I said, okay, so let me try to get as many supplies. Instead of just going in and taking dogs out, let me bring supplies in and I'll bring animals out at the same time. Well, it just grew like wildfire in literally a couple of days. And the way that it happened is we were sitting with family members uh, at Bonefish having brunch. And it was all over TV, the horrible uh, hurricane in Houston. And uh, my wife, of course, in front of everyone, says, oh, Jeff's going to go and help bring back dogs and cats and help out. And people were like, oh, my God. You know, so people started trying to offer me money. And I'm like, I don't I don't want your money. Like, that's not what this is about. So 
we got home, and I said thank you, of course, but I went home and my wife goes, you're thinking about this completely wrong. I said, what do you mean? She goes, you have the right idea, but the wrong process. I said, please elaborate. She goes, why wouldn't you take the money? Use the money to help others. The more resources you have, the more good you can do. Right. I was like, damn, she's right. So I'm like, okay. She goes, let me put a little Facebook post together for friends and family and see if people want to donate. And overnight, there was like 500 bucks in account. Uh, next morning, there was a thousand bucks. Well, then I'm traveling, still in the panhandle for work, and I get a f- my wife calls and said, "Hey, young lady by the name of Alex is going to call you from the Palm Beach Post. She's got questions for you. Can you answer the phone in like five minutes?" As I'm sitting in front of an account in the rain, I'm like, "Okay, yes, please, just have her call now." So she said, "Look, I just your story came across my desk, and I would like to run a story on you." I really didn't feel like a story needed to be done. She goes, but she convinced me at the end, kind of like my wife. She goes, but I can help you raise more money. And the more money you have, the more good you can do. I'm like, why does everyone keep saying this? <laughs> so in about four and a half days, I had $10,000 wow. to my disposal. Another kid uh, out of Philly, a guy that I met by the name of Kyle, just good hearted American guy that just wanted to help out as well. He was in between jobs and he read my story and he goes, we should link up. If you're going by yourself, I should, you know, I was going to go by myself. We should go together so we don't have to go by ourselves. Right. I'm thinking, is this guy like a Dexter or something? Is he got right. a hit list? He's, he's going to kill me. I'm man on a mission. Let me kill him. And ooh, bucket list, you know. But no, we. he was actually a friend of a friend, and we checked him out on Facebook. And, he was, and we talked to other people who actually kind of knew him. So he uh, did the same thing that I did. He raised $5,000 himself in a few days. So between, between he and I, we had uh, $15,000. You know, we couldn't get a box truck to save our lives. My mother... Out of the blue, she's like, look, you don't need a pickup truck or a minivan. You need a box truck. So she called the owner of Penske Trucks. I mean, literally spoke to Mr. Penske. They routed a truck down to us to in, uh, to New Orleans. We flew in and just went on the craziest shopping spree of my life for four days and delivered as many supplies as we could back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And wow. uh, unfortunately, I then had to hop on a plane, fly home because Irma hit us. I'm like, God, I can't handle another hurricane right now. So Right. Yeah, and Irma was the one, unfortunately, that really hurt the keys, and that's how I lost my birthdays in December 21st. We used womp, to go down. Womp. So I lost that vacation, too. I'm like, well, I keep losing vacations because of hurricanes, but a lot of people lost a lot more than uh, just a vacation. Right. So it was good to be Very able to true. help out. And, you know, look, if one person can learn in the world, you know, the, and the reason I posted as many things I probably would not have posted, people were really starting to ask questions. They're like, well, are you personally taking this money to buy a surprise right. or are you giving it to this, you know, like right. the Red Cross or whoever it may be? There's they a want big it to be legit. They, in right. my house, we loved your post. We were sitting there waiting for the next <laughs> Jeff Groover show to come on Facebook. Thank, nice. thank you very to much. To see what he but was doing. It was doing. just really to show people that we were out there trying to do, you know, as much good as we could. So Very nice. Yeah. So you're also a pilot? No, 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 no. That that picture was taken incorrectly. Um, the person flying, well, didn't really want a whole lot of love. He was actually checking the plane. The person knew how to fly. So, again, trying to be the best rep or broker that you can be, you know, we traveled through a territory, and there was a big event coming up, which we had not, uh, the manufacturer was Caldwell, um, Caldwell Cigars, uh, had not planned on being technically a part of the event. And, uh, you know, after sitting down with the owner on a Wednesday, owner of the retail shop and the owner you know of my manufacturer and they're having conversation and you know they find out uh or they discuss through it and find out that hey well we can actually be here i'll just take my plane and fly up to you from miami to uh, the west coast of florida and absolutely i will be here to work the event with you and the guy looks over at me and says hey uh can you fly up with me on uh, sunday to do this event 
I'm like, oh man, I'm just getting home <laughs> from traveling all week. I'll have a day at the house. Now I got to convince my wife that I really need to be back in uh, the Tampa market on a Sunday to do an event. And I said, and now I got to wake up early and fly all the or drive all the way down to Miami just to hook up with you. And he goes, now just fly up to the Palm Beach airport and pick you up, and then you know, and then we'll fly over. I'm like, how do I say no to that? You know, so right, exactly. it, it was it was awesome. You know, it took about 55 minutes where normally it takes me four hours in traffic and I'm cursing under my breath. But it was really cool to sit in a plane and relax and fly over and work the event and then fly home and watch the sunset. So it was, yeah. uh, it was pretty, pretty I mean, awesome. That is pretty cool. Yeah. So thank you, Hernando, if you're the fourth listener, so, whatever, so whatever number we're on. So essentially we need to get you a, a plane a or plane. a jet or, so, or something so that you can kind of, you know, expedite these trips. I, I, listen, you know? that's the one thing I always say. If I had a car that drove itself, uh, although I know that those are coming uh, to the market quicker, then uh, maybe I'll take like Generation 7 or 8 after they've all wrecked in Yeah, I don't want to do Gen 1. Nah, 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 yeah. I'm no, not, I'm not that guy. I don't. So uh, or a plane or a helicopter would be awesome. Yeah. So speaking of uh, cars... What kind of car do you have? Toyota RAV4. Okay, so I think it was a RAV4. If not, it was something else. Oh it was, it was a, I believe it was a Toyota, though. Um, could you tell the listeners how you actually beat a Corvette in a race with a Toyota? Uh, well, there, <laughs> so there's a Kano and there's Sport Mode. <laughs> and believe it or not, that little four-cylinder's got some giddy-up, you know. Uh, but no, it was actually kind of it was your brother's so, Corvette. Right. Uh, which is beautiful. That thing's got uh, you know uh, plenty of get up and plenty of horsepower. But just uh, toying around, I, I think I got lucky once. He got stuck at a red light. I caught it when it was green. So it's easy to pass somebody when they're sitting at a dead stop and you're already in motion. Oh, so but, that's your uh, story. Okay. Yeah. All right. We'll go with that. That's fine. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. All right. So we got uh, three questions that we like to ask every. Each person. of the three listeners has a question. They're yeah. call-ins. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Yeah, they're they're all call-ins. And listener one. So we have we have three questions that we like to ask every person that comes on the show. Okay, great. And hey, it's good he's not one of the listeners. Now he hasn't heard the questions. Yeah. Are you going to listen to yourself after this? Because then we'd have four. Yes. Uh, we just put up Matt Hunt, and uh, he told me he listened on the way to the shop today. That's oh, fantastic. Nice. So. I'm sorry. I was on the phone. I was busy. I was working. Uh, okay. okay. Uh, the first question. Hit me. Question one. What do we got? Uh, what one person, living or dead, would you like to have a cigar with? Oh, wow. So Jeff isn't a, a super aggressive smoker like the rest of us in the industry. He probably smokes a couple cigars a week, I'd say. That's perfect. Is that fair? Yeah, I don't smoke right. up the profits. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's that's a true story, man. When you're a broker, every penny counts. It's not like you're smoking your own that's right. product. Um, that is actually a really wonderful question. Uh, who would I like to smoke a cigar with? I don't know. Maybe Winston Churchill? I mean, he's got... Uh, He's got his face on a few high-end bands. I mean, there must have been something to it every time you saw the guy. He, uh, he had a cigar in hand. So that guy, again, I look up to my elders, and uh, he must know something I don't know. Right. You know. So I'd like to just sit back, and big man upstairs gave you two, uh, two ears and one mouth for a reason, so I'd like to listen to see what that guy had to say. I feel like we read the same books, <laughs> or at least listen to the same things. Go ahead. All right, second question. Best piece of advice anyone ever gave you? Hmm. Best piece of advice... Uh, well, kind of one of the taglines I use quite a bit. I actually just said it. Um, you know, there's an old saying, you have one mouth and two ears for a reason. You know, you're supposed to listen more than you talk. And if you sit back long enough, people will give you the information that you need to be able to, you know, be their friend or, you know, find out what's wrong with them and help console them and or sell them a product, you right. know. So I, I truly try to use that on a daily basis and listen more than I speak. Very nice. 
Okay, the next question I think is going to be uh, exceptionally hard for Mr. Groover. What's your favorite cigar? Hmm. I'll see. I get that question quite often. Um, you know, in each of my lines, there are particular blends and particular sizes. I'm personally I like a smaller ring gauge than a bigger ring gauge, but I get it. I'm not, you know, walking into a cigar shop with 10 bucks in my hand and a Corona's, you know, $7 and a Toro's eight fifty. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not doing that big price comparison, uh, so to speak. Um, but with that, uh, I worked with them briefly. Great organization. A guy by the name of Santana Diaz has a line called the Crocier. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a line, uh, the 512 series, little black cans. Uh, they retail six, seven, eight, nine bucks. Little Costa Rican product. Um, the phenomenal cigars. You know, most of the sizes are very much what I like. Uh, nice, medium bodied with a ton of flavor, and that is perfect for my palate. So I really do like uh, the DeCrocier 512 series. He answered that question better than you thought. Uh, yeah, very quick, also. Caught you off guard. It's a, it's certainly it's a phenomenal did. cigar. Phenomenal cigar. I like how you gave the price and everything. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. fantastic. It's very nice. Well, I think that covers everything. That, right? That's the final question, yeah. Well, Jeff, right, thank you very much for coming on the show. We love you. And you, uh, we, we appreciate you always putting up with us. And, uh, you know, whenever we need anything, you're always there for us. And Hey, man, you're the master of boutique cigars. We get down in the same uh, light. Mikey, uh, FCC, I mean, that's uh, it's a big deal. And uh, so I respect what you guys do. Thank you for having Thanks, me. Thanks, man. All right, right, thanks for coming in. That's it. All right, gang, that's it. Show's over. Time to put out that cigar and get back to work. Ain't nobody going to do it for you. Everybody get hustling. Every day I'm hustling, 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 hustling. Every day I'm hustling, 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 every day I'm, every day I'm, every day I'm hustling.